Welcome to the Enchanted Library, where we turn the pages of books, beautiful and old, living and magical. It's time to curl up, get cozy, and join us on an adventure. Today we're reading from The Wonder Book by Nathaniel Hawthorne, The Golden Apples. A certain king, who is my cousin, replied he, has ordered me to get him three of the golden apples. Most of the young men who go in quest of these apples, observed one of the other damsels, desire to obtain them for themselves, or to present them to some fair maiden whom they love. Do you then love this king, your cousin, so very much? "'Perhaps not,' replied the stranger, sighing. "'He has often been severe and cruel to me, "'but it is my destiny to obey him.' "'And did you know,' asked the damsel who had first spoken, "'that a terrible dragon with a hundred heads "'keeps watch under the golden apple tree?' "'I know it well,' answered the stranger calmly. "'But from my cradle upward it has been my business, "'and almost my pastime, to deal with serpents and dragons.' "'The young women looked at his massive club.' and at the shaggy lion skin which he wore, and likewise at his heroic limbs and figure, and they whispered to each other that the stranger appeared to be one who might reasonably expect to perform deeds far beyond the might of other men. But then, the dragon with a hundred heads, what mortal, even if he possessed a hundred lives, could hope to escape the fangs of such a monster? So kind-hearted were the maidens that they could not bear to see this brave and handsome traveler attempt what was so very dangerous, and devote himself, most probably, to become a meal for the dragon's hundred ravenous mouths. "'Go back!' cried they all. "'Go back to your own home. Your mother, beholding you safe and sound, will shed tears of joy. And what can she do more should you win ever so great a victory? No matter for the golden apples. No matter for the king, your cruel cousin.' We do not wish the dragon with a hundred heads to eat you up. The stranger seemed to grow impatient at these remonstrances. He carelessly lifted his mighty club and let it fall upon a rock that lay half buried in the earth nearby. With the force of that idle blow, the great rock was shattered all to pieces. It cost the stranger no more effort to achieve this feat of a giant's strength than for one of the young maidens to touch her sister's rosy cheek with a flower. Do you not believe, said he, "'looking at the damsels with a smile, "'that such a blow would have crushed "'one of the dragon's hundred heads. "'Then he sat down on the grass "'and told them the story of his life, "'or as much of it as he could remember, "'from the day when he was first cradled "'in a warrior's brazen shield. "'While he lay there, two immense serpents "'came gliding over the floor "'and opened their hideous jaws to devour him, "'and he, a baby of a few months old, "'had gripped one of the fierce snakes "'in each of his little fists "'and strangled them to death. "'When he was but a stripling, "'he had killed a huge lion, "'almost as big as the one "'whose vast and shaggy hide "'he now wore upon his shoulders. "'The next thing he had done "'was to fight a battle "'with an ugly sort of monster "'called a hydra, "'which had no less than nine heads "'and exceedingly sharp teeth "'in every one.' "'But the dragon of the Hesperides, you know,' observed one of the damsels, "'has a hundred heads.' "'Nevertheless,' replied the stranger, "'I would rather fight two such dragons than a single hydra, "'for as fast as I cut off a head, two others grew in its place, 
and besides, there was one of the heads that could not possibly be killed, but kept biting as fiercely as ever long after it was cut off. So I was forced to bury it under a stone, where it is doubtless alive to this very day. But the hydra's body, and its eight other heads, will never do any further mischief. The damsels, judging that the story was likely to last a good while, had been preparing a repast of bread and grapes, that the stranger might refresh himself in the intervals of his talk. They took pleasure in helping him to the simple food, and, now and then, one of them would put a sweet grape between her rosy lips, lest it should make him bashful to eat alone. The traveler proceeded to tell how he had chased a very swift stag for a twelve-month together, without ever stopping to take breath, and had at last caught it by the antlers and carried it home alive, and he had fought with a very odd race of people, half horses and half men, and had put them all to death from a sense of duty, in order that their ugly figures might never be seen any more. Besides all this, he took to himself great credit for having cleaned out a stable. "'Do you call that a wonderful exploit?' asked one of the young maidens with a smile. "'Any clown in the country has done as much.' "'Had it been an ordinary stable,' replied the stranger, "'I should not have mentioned it. "'But this was so gigantic a task "'that it would have taken me all my life to perform it, "'had I not luckily thought of turning the channel of a river "'through the stable door. "'That did the business in a very short time.' "'Seeing how earnestly his fair auditors listened, "'next he told them how he had shot some monstrous birds "'and had caught a wild bull alive and let him go again, "'and had tamed a number of very wild horses, "'and had conquered Hippolyta, the warlike queen of the Amazons. "'He mentioned, likewise, that he had taken off Hippolyta's enchanted girdle "'and given it to the daughter of his cousin, the king.' "'Was it the girdle of Venus?' inquired the prettiest of the damsels. "'Which makes women beautiful?' "'No,' answered the stranger. "'It had formerly been the sword-belt of Mars, "'and it can only make the wearer valiant and courageous.' "'An old sword-belt?' cried the damsel, tossing her head. "'Then I should not care about having it.' "'You are right,' said the stranger.' Going on with his wonderful narrative, he informed the maidens that as strange an adventure had ever happened was when he fought with Geryon, the six-legged man. This was a very odd and frightful sort of figure, as you may well believe. Any person looking at his tracks in the sand or snow would suppose that three sociable companions had been walking along together. On hearing his footsteps at a little distance, it was no more than reasonable to judge that several people must be coming. But it was only that strange man Gurion clattering onward with his six legs. Six legs and one gigantic body. Certainly he must have been a very queer monster to look at. And my stars, what a waste of shoe leather. When the stranger had finished the story of his adventures, he looked around at the attentive faces of the maidens. Perhaps you may have heard of me before, he said modestly. My name is Hercules. "'We had already guessed it,' replied the maidens, "'for your wonderful deeds are known all over the world. "'We do not think it strange any longer "'that you should set out in quest of the golden apples of the Hesperides. "'Come, sisters, let us crown the hero with flowers.' "'Then they flung beautiful wreaths over his stately head and mighty shoulders, "'so that the lion's skin was almost entirely covered with roses. "'They took possession of his ponderous club, "'and so entwined it about with the brightest, softest, most fragrant blossoms "'that not a finger's breadth of its oaken substance could be seen. "'It looked all like a huge bunch of flowers. "'Lastly, they joined hands and danced around him, 
chanting words which became poetry of their own accord and grew into a choral song in honor of the illustrious Hercules. And Hercules was rejoiced, as any other hero would have been, to know that these fair young girls had heard of the valiant deeds which it had cost him so much toil and danger to achieve. But still, he was not satisfied. He could not think that what he had already done was worthy of so much honor, while there remained any bold or difficult adventure to undertake. "'Dear maidens,' said he, when they paused to take breath, "'now that you know my name, will you not tell me how I am to reach the garden of the Hesperides?' "'Oh, must you go so soon?' they exclaimed. "'You, that have performed so many wonders and spent such a toilsome life, "'cannot content yourself to repose a little while on the margin of this peaceful river?' "'Hercules shook his head. "'I must depart now,' he said.' "'We will then give you the best directions we can,' replied the damsel. "'You must go to the seashore and find out the old one, "'and compel him to inform you where the golden apples are to be found.' "'The old one,' repeated Hercules, laughing at this odd name. "'And pray, who may the old one be?' "'Why, the old man of the sea, to be sure,' answered one of the damsels. "'He has fifty daughters, whom some people call very beautiful.' But we do not think it proper to be acquainted with them, because they have sea-green hair and taper away like fishes. You must talk with this old man of the sea. He is a seafaring person and knows all about the garden of the Hesperides, for it is situated on an island which he is often in the habit of visiting. Hercules then asked whereabouts where the old one was most likely to be met with. When the damsels had informed him, he thanked them for all their kindness, for the bread and grapes with which they had fed him, the lovely flowers with which they had crowned him, and the songs and dances wherewith they had done him honor. And he thanked them most of all for telling him the right way, and immediately set forth upon his journey. But before he was out of hearing, one of the maidens called after him. "'Keep fast of the old one when you catch him,' cried she, smiling and lifting her finger to make the caution more impressive. "'Do not be astonished at anything that might happen. Only hold him fast, and he will tell you what you wish to know.' Hercules again thanked her and pursued his way, while the maidens resumed their pleasant labor of making flower wreaths. They talked about the hero long after he was gone. "'We will crown him with the loveliest of our garlands,' said they." when he returns hither with the three golden apples after slaying the dragon with a hundred heads. Meanwhile, Hercules traveled constantly onward, over hill and dale, and through the solitary woods. Sometimes he swung his club aloft and splintered a mighty oak with a downright blow. His mind was so full of the giants and monsters with whom it was the business of his life to fight, that perhaps he mistook the great tree for a giant or a monster. And so eager was Hercules to achieve what he had undertaken, that he almost regretted to have spent so much time with the damsels, wasting idle breath upon the story of his adventures. But thus it always is with persons who are destined to perform great things. What they have already done seems less than nothing. What they have taken in hand to do seems worth toil, danger, and life itself. Persons who happened to be passing through the forest must have been affrighted to see him smite the trees with his great club. But with a single blow, the trunk was riven by, as by the stroke of lightning, and the broad boughs came rustling and crashing down. Hastening forward, without ever pausing or looking behind, he by and by heard the sea roaring at the distance. At this sound, he increased his speed and soon came to a beach where the great surf waves tumbled themselves upon the hard sand in a long line of snowy foam. 
At one end of the beach, however, there was a pleasant spot where some green shrubbery clambered up over a cliff, making its rocky face look soft and beautiful. A carpet of verdant grass, largely intermixed with sweet-smelling clover, covered the narrow space between the bottom of the cliff and the sea. And what should Hercules espy there but an old man fast asleep? But was it really and truly an old man? Certainly at first sight it looked very like one, but on closer inspection it rather seemed to be some kind of creature that lived in the sea, for on his legs and arms there were scales, such as fishes have, he was as webbed foot and webbed fingered after the fashion of a duck, and his long green beard, being of a greenish tinge, had more of the appearance of a tuft of seaweed than that of an ordinary beard. Have you never seen a stick of timber that has been long tossed about by the waves and has got all overgrown with barnacles, and at last drifting ashore seems to have just been thrown up from the very deepest bottom of the sea? Well, the old man would have put you in mind of just such a wave-tossed spar. But Hercules, the instant he set eyes on this strange figure, was convinced that it could be no other than the old one who was to direct him on his way. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend. Stay connected by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash enchanted library. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash enchanted library. We appreciate your support. Until next time, friends. Happy reading.